From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Pressure has started to mount on the federal government following a string of scandals involving senior public officials. Labor and crossbench senators used Senate hearings this week to forensically examine government departments, bureaucrats and ministers. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the government's attempts to use COVID-19 to deflect criticism. Paul, this week, scandals were starting to mount in Canberra. So let's talk about those scandals and also the questions that Labor has been asking of the Morrison government. Well, that's right, Ruby. We've just come through two weeks of Senate estimates where Labor's able to ask questions of bureaucrats and ministers. And uh, I'd have to say the opposition senators haven't squandered the opportunity to call the government to account. Senators, and not just Labor senators, have seized on the forensic work carried out by the Auditor-General and indeed their own ferreting to reveal disturbing extravagance, misguided entitlement and incompetence, if not corruption. Questions without notice, the member for Rankin. Members on my right. Thank you, Speaker. My questions to the Treasurer. Why did the Treasurer claim the Auditor-General's concern... Labor began this week with a series of questions in the House to build a picture of a government looking after its mates and doing its best to minimise opportunities uh, to be held further to account. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. My question is to the Prime Thanks, Minister. Mr Speaker. My question is to the Prime Minister. Thank you, Speaker. My question is to the Treasurer. Why did the Treasurer consider that concerns over assets... So why does the Prime Minister treat taxpayers' money as his own. Why did he keep the misuse of taxpayer funds secret from Australian taxpayers? shown they draw no distinction between taxpayers' interests and their own political and private interests when spending tens of millions of taxpayer dollars. Now, the most obvious example is sitting on the legislation to establish a Federal Integrity Commission, which officials from the Attorney-General's department revealed in estimates the government's had since December last year. Mm, so this would be a body like the Independent Commission Against Corruption, ICAC, in New South Wales, which would investigate politicians over misconduct and, and corruption? Yes, well, it's, uh, by all accounts, even from the government itself, a slightly weaker version of that gold standard. But it's obviously even a weaker version is too much for Morrison Last week, he was indignant, telling Parliament he couldn't possibly have people working on an integrity commission while there was a coronavirus to deal with. Now, Mr Speaker, I was not going to have one public servant diverted from the task of focusing on our approach to dealing with this pandemic, Mr Speaker, as the leader of the opposition... And, Ruby, this week... He again went for COVID cover when Albanese threw at him a growing list of scandals. Is the reason why the Morrison government hasn't introduced legislation for a National Integrity Commission because of the corrupt sports rot scheme, the Leppington Triangle land scandal? By now, they're very familiar. You could probably list them off. The sports rot spending $100 million for electoral advantage with targeted grants. Then there was the $30 million paid for a piece of land valued at $3 million. 
And then the stacking of the Appeals Tribunal with 70 Liberals, many of them former MPs. Well, in his reply, Scott Morrison was indignant and he waxed lyrical. Mr Speaker, the presumption of the question is false. Mr Speaker, what we've seen today, I think, is a, a very good commentary on what's happening in this chamber. The Prime Minister said the government was focused on the virus and it was out saving the sick and keeping the country in business. The government is focused on the COVID-19 pandemic, the COVID-19 recession, saving lives, saving livelihoods, Mr Speaker, protecting Australians... He accused Albanese basically of muckraking. And he went on, the Prime Minister, to accuse the opposition of playing politics while he got on with good government. And the Labor Party comes in here to throw mud around. That's the contrast, Mr Speaker. An opposition focused on politics. Right, but you say, despite Scott Morrison's, I suppose, optimistic take, there, there has been evidence of misconduct in the government? Well, uh, if not misconduct, certainly incompetence. And uh, for a lot of that, we can thank the Auditor-General, Grant Hare, who's causing embarrassment with his forensic probing, especially over the millions of dollars paid to the Liberal Party donors for that land near Sydney's second airport. And a short sign that the government doesn't like it, the Liberals have slashed the Auditor-General's budget by almost 20% since they came to power in 2013. Now, I can tell you, Ruby, there's speculation in Canberra that the next target for Hare's detective work could be the much-lauded $100 billion JobKeeper scheme. Now, there's no doubt the scheme saved a million jobs and bought time for hundreds of thousands of workers. But that cannot excuse the unconscionable siphoning off of millions of dollars by business. According to some analysis, more than $24 million of the wage subsidy was used to pay executive bonuses. That is, money going to people whose jobs weren't at risk, uh, but were able to fatten their already fat incomes. The extent of the corruption of the scheme certainly merits further investigation and exposure. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Paul, we're talking about the Auditor-General and serious questions he's raising for the government over transparency and conduct. So tell me a little bit more about that. 
Well, Ruby, taxpayers should be grateful that in Grant Hare we have an Auditor-General who's fearless in fulfilling his statutory obligations to hold to account the federal government's stewardship of the nation's finances. Estimates this week heard that after querying contentious expenditure at the corporate regulator, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, that's ASIC, well, Hare was ignored. Well, after 12 months, uh, he did enough and uh, he wrote to the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, about his concerns. He identified overpayments of $200,000 to ASIC Chairman James Shipton and his Deputy Daniel Crennan, which has led to Shipton standing aside pending an independent inquiry and Crennan quitting. Well, midweek, the Prime Minister was asked if he had confidence in ASIC or if he believed the organisation needed a broader restructure. On ASIC, uh, do you have confidence in the organisation and also its stood-aside chairman, James Shipton, who you appointed as Treasurer? And do you believe there may need... The Prime Minister, and I have to say in his usual fashion, distanced himself from the appointment, saying it was all the work of then-Revenue and Financial Services Minister... Kelly O'Dwyer. Well, the, the, the appointment, I was Treasurer at the time, the Minister responsible at the time was Kelly O'Dwyer, as, as you know, and she was in Cabinet at the time, of course, that I had a, a role in that. Morrison said it wasn't appropriate for him to offer commentary while an inquiry was underway. He wasn't so reticent, you might remember, about Australia Post. Anyway, the government now has two ad hoc independent inquiries into potentially corrupt or inappropriate behaviour at ASIC and in the infrastructure department over that second airport land purchase. Mm, So, Paul, there's been time to set up these two ad hoc inquiries, but at the same time, Scott Morrison is arguing that he can't establish an integrity commission because he's busy dealing with the pandemic. Does that stack up? (laughs) Well, you'd have to say uh, that COVID is providing the government with a very thin cover, Ruby. And it's leading to some strange politics as both sides look to score points. Uh, On Tuesday, when the Andrews government in Victoria finally announced that the 112-day lockdown was ending, Albanese caught Morrison and many on his own side, I have to tell you, by surprise. The Leader of the Opposition. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And I seek leave to move the following motion. That the House, one, commends the people of Victoria for the sacrifices they... The Labor leader leapt to his feet at the beginning of question time and moved a motion to congratulate Victorians and their Premier for their efforts. Four, expresses its gratitude to the people of Victoria on behalf of a grateful nation and five, resolves that this message be conveyed to the Premier of Victoria. Is leave granted? The Leader of the House. Leave is granted. Well, the Prime Minister nodded to the Leader of the House that he would accept the surprise motion, Uh, but then Morrison went into a huddle with Frydenberg and his Health Minister, Greg Hunt. Now, in his motion, Albanese echoed health experts praising Victoria's efforts of going from 723 new cases on July 30 to zero on Monday and Tuesday. The whole of Australia has benefited from the fact that the Victorian government listened to the health advice, took action and ensured that those numbers were turned around so that instead of an increase in the UK from 846 to 20,000, they went from 
723 new cases to zero. To zero cases. But Frydenberg, a constant critic of the lockdown, would have none of it. And the more than 800 Victorians who have lost their lives, their families will never get those ones back, Mr Speaker. And it all comes back to the failures in hotel quarantine. He bellowed. The comparison is not with the United Kingdom or the United States, but with the rest of Australia. The comparison is with New South Wales, Queensland, Tasmania, it's South Australia, Mr Speaker. I've got to say his speech was pretty extraordinary and uh, you can guess um, what was discussed in that huddle. But the role of a tack dog, it seems to me, doesn't exactly suit Frydenberg. One of his colleagues says he's acting on instructions from Morrison. The suspicion is that the Attorney-General is also acting on the same instructions in keeping the Integrity Commission legislation in his desk drawer. Well... That's how you end up with uh, the week we've just had, with rolling scandals not properly investigated and a government looking a little more confident than perhaps it should. And, Paul, it's the uh, it's the Queensland state election tomorrow. You're pretty plugged in. What's your tip? Well, there's no doubt it's going to be a close election. The latest three published opinion polls have Labor with an edge But there's no doubt Labor's extremely nervous about its situation in uh, far north Queensland, Townsville and Cairns. And there's no doubt they're just a bit worried about the $6 million Clive Palmer has spent on anti-Labor ads and billboards all over the state. While it looks like Palmer's not as creditable as he used to be, you can't spend that much money on anti-Labor advertising and it doesn't have some sort of effect. So I think this one's going to go down to the wire. Uh, but Palaszczuk can't be underestimated. She's been a two-times winner and you know, is a known quantity in government. And there's also no doubt that COVID and her response to the pandemic has won her a lot of support in the Sunshine State. But we'll see. Paul, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you, Ruby. Bye. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today, New South Wales health authorities have confirmed the state's first mystery COVID-19 infection in over two weeks. Two students were among the five infections recorded in the state yesterday, prompting a school to close in Sydney's southwest. And the NRL has backflipped on a decision not to play the national anthem at State of Origin Games. The Australian Rugby League Commission reversed its plan after an intervention by the Prime Minister, who called the NRL's chairman. 7am is a daily show from the Monthly and the Saturday Paper. It's produced by Ruby Schwartz, Atticus Basto, Michelle Macklem and Cinnamon Nippard. Elle Marsh is our Features and Field Producer in a position supported by the Judith Nielsen Institute for Journalism and Ideas. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our Editor-in-Chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. 
New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning. Subscribe in your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.